This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm grateful that you've tuned in today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the word to the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive and loving edition of Equip. You may wonder why did I mention love? Well, this is a week in which uh, people all over our, uh, our country, all throughout our culture, contemplate and think about love. Certainly romantic love is thought about, and so many have posted about that. Maybe all of that gets your stomach upset and you don't like uh, any of it, but certainly it is a part of our conversation culturally. There is parental love that is being expressed uh, during this week. There is a friendship love that is celebrated, and I hope you have friends that you are appreciating that mean so much in your life, family members whose love has sustained you and minister God's grace to you and encourage you along the way. All of these things about love are great. And and let's be honest, there's songs about love and poems and plays about love and movies and books. It seems like everyone has something to say about love. But at the end of the day, although anybody can say anything about love, the only opinion that really matters is God's opinion about love. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to look into his word today. In particular, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15, and we're going to look at what God has to say about love, because if we have the wrong definition of love, I think we end up in the wrong destination. In other words, we can end up in a place thinking we are following the way of love that will only lead to depression, discouragement, devastation. But if we follow the way of Christ, if we follow God's roadmap for love, then we end up in a place in which we are secure, in which we are known and loved deeply and able to spread that to others to a love-thirsty world, a world that is thirsty for the love of Jesus. For those of you who uh, have maybe never heard Equip on a day in which we just study the Word, you're in for a treat, because I will tell you, as much as I love bringing guests on to help you to know how to defend your faith, as much as I love bringing guests on that are trained evangelists or apologists to help you to know how to share your faith, None of that matters if we don't know our faith well enough to live it. And so days like today, days in which we're going to open up the Word of God, are designed to help us to know our faith well enough for us to live it before our families, our friends, our uh, neighbors, and before a watching world. Before I go into today's message, let me also say thank you on the front end of this program, to all of our generous partners. 
honestly, today is only possible because of the generosity of our partners. Radio is an expensive endeavor. I've said it before. It only makes sense if we know God has called us and we know lives are being impacted and changed. And your communication with us, your generosity to this ministry, your prayerfulness for me and for our team uh, helps us to know that the investment of time and resources is 100% worth it. And so I want to say thank you to our partners, to our friends, to those of you who have expressed your generosity, but I also want to challenge and appeal to those of you who have benefited from this ministry, not so much those who are new to it. Maybe you're just checking us out. Please just know the greatest gift you give to us is just listening. But for those who have benefited from this ministry, and you've been encouraged and your heart has been uh, moved because of this ministry, I ask that you would consider giving a gift today. There's a, a, a lot of studies out that show that the vast majority of those who listen to a particular program that ministers to their heart Listen, receive, but never support. And I don't say that to at all bring guilt or shame. I say that to bring encouragement that if God has blessed you, just know that what your gift makes up for are those who need to receive the ministry, but maybe don't have to give. And so when you are in a position to demonstrate your generosity, know on the other end of that obedience, your blessing multiplied many who may not uh, be in a position where they can do what you can do. So maybe today you can give a $50 gift or a $100 gift, or some have even been compelled to give uh, more than that. As God speaks to your heart, I would love for you to dial this number, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. As a matter of fact, I would love today to put out the bold challenge if five friends Today can call with a $100 or more gift that will help us to meet our budgetary goals and to continue to broadcast in your community and beyond the good news of God's grace. So thank you in advance for your prayer and for your consideration there. So what is the way of love? Jesus gives this answer to his disciples in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. Open up your Bibles and let's go into the message. We are in John chapter 15. We are joining Jesus in one of the most intimate, if not the most intimate moment that he shared with his most closest companions. It is the Thursday of Holy Week, the first Holy Week. It is the night before he is to be crucified. He's going to be crucified just 24 hours from the moment that we are reading about right now. And it's in this farewell discourse, or some have called it the upper room discourse, that after breaking bread and having communion with his disciples, that he begins to talk to them, to prepare them so that they might be ready for what lies ahead, namely what life will be like without him being physical, physical present, how they can follow him, be his disciples, and reach the world for Jesus. Open up your Bibles today to John chapter 15.
13. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus is talking about two very important, and I'm going to argue, very essential topics. He's talking about friendship, and he's talking about love. Now, I argue that these are essential both, but I would also say as a caveat that most of us look at these two areas as luxuries. Certainly the first, friendship as being a luxury, love as being a luxury, but we are wired for both and we are desperately in need of both. First, to set a little bit of the context of why he's sharing this, go with me to verse 11. Verse 11, we covered last week, but I just want to read it by way of reminder. Jesus saying to his disciples, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, I'm sharing these critical things with you in advance. Why? Because I don't want despair to win the day. I don't want you to give over to doubt. I don't want your heart to lose the battle of faith and give in to fear. No, I want you to have joy. And the joy that you'll have won't be based off of the fleeting realities of changing circumstances, but the joy that you have will be deeply rooted in the eternal knowledge of knowing that I am with you, that the Father is superintending all things. Let me just make that very practical for you, that we are finite beings, time-bound, so that means that we experience things in time sequence. So when things happen that were unexpected, they're a surprise to us. But God is not like us. He is infinite. He knows the end from the beginning. So he is never surprised. That means that when you get that doctor's report or when you turn on the news and the economy is all in flux, that means that when you get a surprise from your, uh, your spouse or your child and they behave in ways that you never thought they would, that those you're surprised. He is never surprised. He is always in control and he promises you no matter what the day may bring that he will be with you. How many praise God for that truth? How many take joy over that truth? Now, because we know that his context is joy, that he wants our hearts to be filled with joy, we should not be surprised then that he's about to talk about friendship and love. He's about to talk about these two absolutely essential ingredients to a healthy life. But yet, when it comes to friendships in particular, we find these things more and more in our society to be elusive, and we find them often to be treated like they're luxuries. Earlier on my radio program, I did a show on uh, a new epidemic, as it's been called, by the Wall Street Journal and many other outlets. This new ep- epidemic that's sweeping the country, touching every state in our union, is the epidemic of male loneliness. I read an extensive article that led me to other research on the epidemic of friendlessness among men. Now, women, you're not too far behind us, but we're certainly, as men, leading the way in this. 15% of men in this country say they don't have one friend at all. There's no one that they can call outside of family in the middle of the night if they have a problem. 
that there's no brother that they have deep intimacy with, that there's no friend that they're processing life with. 55%, just about 55% of the men in this country say that they have less than three friends in total. That's after a lifetime of living, less than three friends. So that means that if you are north of three friends, you're in the minority and you are doing really, really good. Well, what's the consequence of this epidemic of friendlessness? Well, the consequence is that it affects every area of our lives practically. Now, the research outlets that I read were not faith-based, so they weren't really looking at the spiritual benefits of friendship, but they certainly were looking at the social benefits of friendship and the personal, physical, psychological uh, benefits of friendship. But here's what they reported. They reported that men who have friends are physically more healthy, their marriages are healthier, they're mentally more secure, And they also are happier or have more joy in life. Now that makes sense to us, doesn't it? Doesn't that make uh, really good and clear sense? And the opposite, the contrast and inverse is true as well, that if we don't have those things, we've lost out. But in addition to all of those practical benefits, I want to add in one additional one, and that is the spiritual benefit. When you have friendships, in particular The one and most important friendship, and that is friendship with Jesus, it changes everything. Today, what we're going to read is that Jesus offers to all of us an invitation for friendship. That the creator of heaven and earth, that our sovereign and resurrected Savior, wants to be friends with you and me. And I stand amazed at that. I stand in awe in that reality, but that's exactly what he wants us to see. Well, friends, what a phenomenal thought that Jesus wants to be our friend. And maybe today you look at your life and you say, man, I don't think I could describe my relationship with Jesus that way, that um, he's my friend. And maybe it's because you don't feel worthy of that friendship. Can I just tell you that Jesus is the only one who knows us fully and still loves us. He literally invites us to come just as we are, to come with him with all of our brokenness and all of our burdens, and he is big enough to forgive us and to show us mercy and grace. So today, I want to be very specific in inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. You may say, how do I have that? How do I start a relationship with Jesus? Or maybe you're Your question is, how do I come back home again? Well, the Bible is very clear. It's only requiring two things, repent and believe. To repent literally is to acknowledge that I've been going the wrong direction and I need to turn around and go another direction. To believe is to trust that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient in demonstrating his power to change and transform our lives. So today I want you to trust in Jesus. Today I want you to to acknowledge I'm going the wrong direction and and Jesus, I want to come back to you or maybe for the first time, I want you to be Lord of my life. And if that's you, I want to invite you to just simply pray, Lord, be come into my, my life. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Save me, Lord. And as you pray that, just know that we're here to stand with you I want you to dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. If today you're giving your life to Jesus, if today you want Jesus to be your 
friend, more than just creator, but one you know intimately, one who you can say, he is my Savior and my Lord. I want you to dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to continue the message, The Way of Love. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come on Equip. If you're talking about a hot topic at home, at work, and with friends, then we want to talk about it too. In fact, every day on Equip, we're talking about current issues and how faith intersects with life. Today, I'm inviting you to become an equipper. In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equip. And as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an equipper right now by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today is a great day. We're talking about love. Not our opinion, not the opinion of songwriters or poets, not the opinion of culture, but what does Jesus have to say about the way of love? We're looking at his words in John chapter 15. So why don't you grab your Bibles or open up your Bible app? We're going to be going through verses 12 through 17. I believe it's going to bless you tremendously. Let's go back into the message, the way of love. He also wants us to see the way of love. And he's going to pick up on that in verse number 12. But what we're going to find today is that walking in the way of love looks different than we imagined. The way that Jesus redefines love is to uh, help us to see how different he is than we are. Verses 12 through 14 is where we'll start. Here's what he does in redefining love. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. How many today thank God for his love? How many thank God for the love that he has poured out in your life? I praise God for his love. Now, he says to us here that greater love has no one than this in to lay down his life for a friend. That is one of the most profound statements made in all of human history. You could spend the rest of your life studying it, but we'll try to unpack just a few truths that are housed in that. What gives this even more sobering weight is the time frame of it. The fact that we know in just a day, he's going to demonstrate that love. So for Jesus, this whole talk of being willing to lay down your life for a friend was not mere academics. He's not just philosophizing. He's not simply using rhetoric or exaggeration or hyperbole for emphasis. But no, he is helping them to understand the real definition of love. It's as if he is putting love on a spectrum, if you will. And I want you to picture this spectrum, right? He's saying that love is sacrificial. That the real definition of friendship love is is measured by, by my willingness, your willingness to sacrifice for your friend. That's how you know the extent of the love you have for them. So picture this spectrum, and on one end of the spectrum is maybe some simple act of self-sacrifice like giving a cup of cold water in his name. He commanded that, didn't he? 
And that's a, that's, a, that's a commandment that if we see someone thirsty, we ought to give them drink. If we see they're hungry, we ought to give them food. If we see they need, uh, they're naked and they need clothing, we ought to give them clothing. All of those things are in Scripture, and that is on one end of the spectrum. And praise God if that's where we're living. But that's not the highest form of love. When he says greater love, that's what the Greek uh, for that word, greater is where we get the word mega from or higher love. He is saying there's no higher love than to go on the other end of the spectrum. And that's to lay down your life for a friend. That is to be willing to sacrifice it all for someone else. This is the type of love that a uh, mom or dad of a special needs child has when they say, I'm going to bring this special needs child into the world. And even though they may never uh, fully develop mentally or physically or emotionally, I'm going to love them nonetheless. One of my good friends, Emily Colson, her father was Chuck Colson, has a son named Max. And Max is this beautiful boy, but he is far end of the autism spectrum. And when he was younger, Emily shared that it would take sometimes two to three hours for her to feed him a meal. While he threw food back at her or spit it out, she would have to continue down that road. I said, how did you do it? She said, because I loved him and I love him still. That's a love that many of us may have never experienced yet. But this whole thing of loving in a self-sacrificial way is something we're all growing in. A few weeks ago, I shared with you that my wife has just recently had Achilles surgery. So she's not had the same amount of mobility and I've been caring for her and, and serving her. And all of it has just served to remind me of how far I have to go and grow in my love for my wife. And I love her more than anyone in the world, but that natural tendency to want to do what is in my best interest is ever present with me. How many know what I'm talking about? It's always there. Like when the game is on and it's overtime and she says, honey, I need some water. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, not saying out loud, how bad do you really need it? And do you really need it now? Now, I'm not saying I acted on it. I'm not saying I acted on it. Sometimes you start with a thought. It's not how you start, but how you finish. And praise God, you finish in the right place. All I'm saying to you is that the, the struggle is real, friends. And the fact of the matter is, it's not just me, but I think if we're all honest, the struggle is real for all of us. We all are naturally wired and our culture reinforces this definition of love that is antithetical to Jesus's definition. Jesus's definition is that we would be growing in our love in a way that demonstrates greater and greater willingness to sacrifice for the benefit of another. Why go on a global missions trip to a nation that doesn't have the amenities of your own. It's because love compels you. Why risk social status to share your faith with someone knowing that you might be rejected or even blackballed? It's because love compels you. Why bring kids into the world and raise them and knowing that it's going to cost you money and time and all of these other things? It's because you love them. And who demonstrates the greatest, highest love? It's Jesus. 
As my friend Abdul Murray often reminds me, this is also confirmation of his deity. Because if Jesus is God, who he claimed to be the highest being ever known to men, it would make sense that he would demonstrate the fact that he is God, the highest being, by demonstrating the highest ethic. And how do you demonstrate the highest ethic? Well, the highest ethic is love, and you demonstrate that in the highest way, which is self-sacrifice, laying down your life on the cross. So Jesus, the highest being, known to man, God, demonstrated the highest ethic known to man, love, in the highest way, dying on the cross, so that you and I might live, might be redeemed, and might know that he is Lord of all. How many thank God for his love? Man, thank God for his love. You know, as I think about this passage of scriptures, I think about the, the entire book of John, it is a reminder to me of the great lengths that Jesus has gone through, that God has gone through to demonstrate his love for us. The very fact that Jesus models this out for his disciples communicates to me that he wants his love to spread. And if his love is going to spread, it's not going to spread among perfect people because guess what? There are no perfect people. Jesus came for imperfect people. So as you're looking at your life today, you may be saying like, man, I'm so messed up. I'm so flawed. Um, That's why maybe you feel like uh, no one loves you. That's why maybe you feel like you're in the challenge that you're in. I just want you to know that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. He loves us. Even if we feel unworthy of love, he loves us. And he wants us to be able to love others, not just based off of merit or based off of what they can give in reciprocation. You know, that's the system the culture works off of. And that is, I'm going to scratch your back if you scratch my back. I'll love you if I feel like there's a benefit to me. Well, that's not really love. Love expects nothing in return. And what Jesus is asking for is for us to embrace his gift of grace and love and to freely give it. Freely we receive, so freely give it. Today I want to encourage you, receive his love and spread his love. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue on in this message, The Way of Love. These breaks give you opportunities to support the program. If we've been a blessing, dial 888 644-4144 or equipradio.org Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks I often start the program reminding you this is the day that the Lord has made we should rejoice and be glad in it and I really believe that scripture tells us, commands us to give thanks in all things So when was the last time you thanked him for his love? When was the last time you thanked him for loving you unconditionally, loving you not based off of your merits or accomplishments, but loving you because that is his nature to love? Well, today, if you haven't stopped and thanked God for his love for you, I would encourage you to do so. And I also pray that that love would have such a deep impact on my heart and yours that we extend it to others. 
as we go through John's gospel, in particular today, we're looking at chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. I want you to grow not only in informational knowledge, but how do we know we really know something? It's when we apply it, not just when we can answer quizzes about it or write a report about it. That's all intellectual, cognitive. But when we really know something, we live it out. So today I want to encourage you to learn of Jesus, the way of love, so that you can live it out in your home, with your spouse, with your children, your coworkers, your neighbor, because that's the lab of love. Let's go back into the message, the way of love. How many again are grateful that he loves you? Grateful that he died for you. Grateful that he sacrificed himself so that you might live. Now, we all get excited about that. I would even argue that's the reason why we're here today. We're here and we worship today because of what he's done for us. That's the reason why we give and why we gather together to serve and and study his word. It's because of our overwhelming sense of joy and even obligation because of how he loved us. And that's the good side. That's That's the easy side of his statement. But the hard side of his statement is what we see in verse number 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now he's obligating us to do something that seems to be so far beyond us. He's not simply saying, hey, love one another based off of your own definition of love. But he is saying, no, you need to love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus then becomes the standard bearer for love. And what you and I ought to be doing is looking at him, not our own preferences, not our own desires, but looking at him. And every time we do, we're going to walk away, not with pats on our back, not with a sense of boy, you're doing a great job, but you're going to walk away feeling like, God, I'm so far from that type of Christ-like love, and that's okay. That's why you need him. And he knew that in order for the disciples to pull this off, they would need him. This would be the litmus test. But I want to just say something as a parenthetical statement. He doesn't say it here explicitly, but the rest of Scripture confirms this. It seems to me that we would think it logical for him to do this for a friend, to to die for a friend, to sacrifice for a friend. But he doesn't just do it for friends, does he? Not when you understand the gospel. Keep your finger there and go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 broadens the window, if you will. It expands the group that Jesus does this for. Every one of us might be willing to do that for a friend. I talk about, somewhat jokingly, sacrificing for my wife. But every one of us, hopefully, will be willing to sacrifice for our spouse or for our children. But look at what Scripture says about Jesus. Romans chapter 5, when you're in verse number 6, can you say a big amen? It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For who? The ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still what? Sinners. Christ died for us. Look at the way that we're described here, pre-Christ, 
pre-salvation, when he died for us. We, there are three adjectives in this text used to describe us, that we are weak, ungodly sinners. Now, how many by the show of hands know at least one or two people that fit that description? Weak, ungodly sinners. Now, if you're with them, don't raise your hand. But how many know more than one or two people that fit that description? Weak, ungodly sinners. Here's the challenge of Jesus' love. The challenge of Jesus' love is not just the the extent that he's willing to go and self-sacrifice, but it's the breadth that he's willing to go and who he includes in this love. Let me give you an example of this. All of us have our candidates that want to, that we want to have elected. All of us have our, uh, our thoughts on which way we hope proposals go. But all of us have our preferences. But I want to shift the conversation for just a moment. And here's the conversation that this particular text evokes and should evoke in our hearts. Is what are you going to do with those people who don't vote like you vote? got quiet on this side of church. I'll preach over here for just a few minutes. They didn't even want to say anything to me at all. I'm just glad no booze came. But what are we going to do in light of Jesus's love, in light of what we just read, that while we were weak, ungodly sinners, he died for us. I know you don't see yourself that way. I know there's a whole other group you see that way, but certainly that's the verdict of scripture on our lives, the indictment that was against us before he died. So my question to you is, how are you going to treat those people who don't vote for your candidates, who don't vote the way you think they should on a proposal? What are you going to do with them in light of this scripture? Okay, a few of you said... I'll come back here, give you a second chance. In light of what Jesus has done for us, and in light of what he calls us to do, I'm not asking for you to agree with them. I'm simply asking, how are you going to treat them in light of the way he treated you when you were weak, ungodly, and a sinner? The answer is, the answer is, Now, I'll let you process that in your heart and mind. But what we have to understand is that that is the call and the thrust of Scripture. To not compromise righteousness and holiness on one end, but not to relent in showing compassion and mercy on the other as well. And what our prayer needs to be for everyone that we deem to be weak, ungodly sinners is that the grace of God that was afforded to us that opened our eyes to his love, mercy, and salvation would be afforded to them as well and that they too would come into this relationship with Jesus and we should not be looking at them as enemies to be conquered rather as people to be reached with the love of Jesus so how do you look at your enemies how do you look at those who are different than you how do you look at those who believe differently than you uh, or oppose your point of view I know that it's easy to villainize those those folks. I know it's easy to speak ill of them, to say those are evil people. After all, look at the way they think. Look at their religious background. Look at their way of life. Look at the way they vote. And all of those things may indicate a life away from Jesus. But how are we to see those whose lives 
are maybe off track because they've rejected Jesus. Well, we shouldn't see them as enemies to be conquered. As I said earlier, we should see them as a people to be reached and loved for Jesus. So who fits into that category for you? Who is it that Jesus is calling you to show the same love that he's giving you to them? The same patience and mercy and grace that you have received that you're called to give. While we're on this next break, I want you to think of your list. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's three, maybe it's five, but make a list. We're going to talk about what to do with that list when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. the Bible really teach about homosexuality? Did Jesus mention it? Aren't the Old Testament laws null and void? These are questions many Christians face, and we must all be prepared to answer. That's why I want to recommend to you, Is God Anti-Gay? And other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and same-sex sexuality by Sam Alberry. Request a copy today when you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. You guys are awesome. Earlier, I asked for friends to come alongside who could support the program. And I'm asking today for friends who can do that. I'll come back to that invitation in just a moment. And giving to the the Lord, investing and spreading the gospel really is an invitation. Can I say a few thank yous? Thank you to Rhonda from Alabama. Thank you to Shirley from Taylor, Michigan. I lived in Taylor, went to elementary school there when I was younger. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you to Brian in Indiana. Thank you to Joe in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Thank you to Lynn in Texas, who became a monthly partner. You guys are amazing. Uh, Today, we're asking if you've been blessed by the program that this would be a giving day, a day in which you invest in the ministry so that others can be reached with the good news of Jesus, recognizing that everyone is in a position to give. But I pray that if you are in a position to give today, that you would do so. If you've been blessed, invest in the ministry so that others can be blessed as well. And maybe that means you can be one of five who would give a $100 gift or more to the ministry. Now, if you have less than that and you want to give, just know that it's all of us doing our part and the best we can that makes this happen. So we celebrate that. But I would also love to present this challenge, this invitation, if you will, to those who have been blessed financially, economically, to be able to do more. It is not a small a small thing to say yes to Jesus, but it is always the right thing, and it always brings reward. Sacrificial giving is something that Scripture celebrates and that God loves. Um, it would be a great thing today to see someone give a $500 gift or a $1,000 gift. Just know that your gifts make all the difference. And here at Equip, we don't believe in gimmicks and games, no false promises. What we will guarantee you is that every day when you tune in, we're going to point people to the Word of God, the eternal, inspired, unchanging, inerrant Word of God, and we're going to remind people that Jesus alone is Lord. Salvation is found in Him, and so is love. 
So I want to encourage you, dial 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. That's 888-644-4144. Well, we've been journeying through John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17, and learning the way of love. Let's go back into the message. He redefines love. But Jesus also redefines the nature of our relationships. Look at what he says in verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I, call, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that that fruit should abide or remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I have commanded you, I command you rather, so that you will love one another. Again, he tells us what his commandment is. It is to love one another. But he says something that is so bold and profound that I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think any preacher who preaches this text has fully plummeted the depths of or fully understands. But maybe sufficiently I can give you the insights to this point that I understand it to be. What Jesus is saying here is not that we don't serve him anymore, but that the status of our relationship with him is no longer viewed through servanthood, but it is viewed through friendship. That Jesus calls you and me friends. Does that mean that we don't serve him? No. But that means we serve him from a different place and a different posture. We don't serve him like the Muslim serves Allah. We don't serve him like the Jehovah's Witness seeks to serve in order to earn our friendship in order to earn our salvation. No, we serve him because of the friendship and the salvation that he has already given to us. He has already told us that he loves us. He has already promised and committed to be the lamb that would lay down his life for the sins of the world. He has already promised these intimate companions that he was going to die for them. Over and again, he told them that, that he was going to lay down his life for them. And we, who are on the other side of the cross, have been recipients of that sacrifice. And it's from that posture it's from that place that we serve him. I pray, I pray that you're not here in worship today so that you can check a box and say at the end of your life, God, look at how many boxes I've checked. You owe me salvation. God is not obligated to any man. He is not a debtor to any one of us. He owes none of us. But I pray that you are here today and motivated to do a whole array of good and godly things to a whole array of people because of what he has done for you. It's as if he is saying, you've been on the outside and so you've been a servant because you didn't know what the master was up to. But now I have brought you on the inside 
It's kind of like God is saying, I'm going to let you behind the curtain. I'm going to let you in on the secret. I'm going to let you in on the family business. And what is the family business? It is seeing souls saved. It is this plan of redemption that was laid from the very foundations of the world. Theologian D.A. Carson puts it best. He says this way, the friend is let in on what is going on. The understanding stems not from superior intelligence, not because he is somehow smarter, but from revelation graciously bestowed. Jesus himself makes known to his friends everything that he has learned from his father. Jesus shares with us the heart and the will of the father and you and I now know God and know what he's up to. And we get a chance to participate in that. And what is he up to? He's up to friendship making. He wants to be friends. And maybe you're here today and you have never taken him up on his offer for friendship. Today, I want to extend to you on his behalf an invitation, the invitation of all invitations, because when you have a friend in Jesus, it conquers every fear. It quells the anxieties of our heart. It awakens within us love and hope. It reminds us that hope is not dead because Jesus is not dead. Hope is alive because he is alive. And maybe today your life is marked by despair. You know what you need? You need a friend. And maybe you've walked away from that friend, but that friend stands there still with open arms today. Or maybe you have accepted his offer of friendship and yet you haven't extended it to someone else to your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your friends, your enemies. Well, today I want to encourage you to take him up on his offer. And if you have, spread the word until all have heard, until all the world stands amazed at what God has done. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your love for us expressed through Jesus. Thank you for the cross. We're not worthy of it, but we're certainly grateful for it. Lord, thank you for the friendship that you offer us, Lord. We are amazed at your goodness. We stand in awe of your love. And today, as an act of our faith, we offer you our worship. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So how do we respond to Jesus's love? The answer is worship. We give him worship. And that's where, friends, we end today. I want to encourage you to worship him. Now, worship is more than just singing. So often when we gather together on uh, Sundays, the Lord's Day, we think of worship as synonymous with singing. But worship really means to bow down. It's a submission word. It means to yield and literally to say, I surrender all. You remember that song? Well, our lives should reflect that, that declaration to the Lord, I surrender all. Have you done that? Have you surrendered all to him? Have you said, Lord, I surrender my time, my talent, my treasure, my life, here am I, use me. So many of us, our lives are marked by our selfish choices every step of the way. What will bring me more popularity? What will bring me more money? What will bring me more happiness or more comfort? Isn't it time for you to surrender all to Jesus? If you're his disciple, if you're one of his followers, 
surrender all to him. And that, my friends, is how we evidence, how we prove, how we show the world that we have been loved and that love is flowing through us to the world. Well, friends, I can't wait till we're together again next time. Until then, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends, Chris Brooks here. You know, from earthquakes to the rise of sin in our culture, many are asking, are we in the end times? Author and professor Charlie Dyer joins me to discuss current and future events in light of biblical prophecy. Don't miss this practical look at end time prophecy on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.